First and 10 football. If you ain't in, get out. This is the Training Camp Report on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Presented by Bud Light, America's favorite light lager. FedEx, where now meets next. Lecom. Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By your neighborhood Ford store. Excella Health. Expert Care. Here. And by Ireland Contracting. Pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit IrelandContracting.com. Welcome into tonight's Bud Light Steelers training camp report. I am Tom Opperman, co-hosting the next two hours with me tonight will be former pro and college scout Matt Williamson. We got a lot to get to, mostly breaking down the Philly game as we navigate these next two hours, Matt. But I figured start the first hour with some notes that we got from practice today. The Steelers did go through something of a practice. It wasn't padded, but they okay. still got some work in. Uh, the first thing that I noticed from Dale Lawley's Twitter account, Kevin Dotson running with the ones in the seven shots drill. Good. It's about time, right? Yeah, I got to say, first of all, I'm looking forward to working with you a lot more going forward. This is going to be fun. That's true. Two Lebo guys getting after it, different generations. You know, I'm all psyched up for that. Um, I'll be honest, I was at a buddy's pool party all afternoon after I got (laughs) off the air with Wolf at 11.30, so I am not in the loop with camp. Matt, I went home and did laundry today. I'm just just going off of what Dale said on Twitter. Hey, Dale knows his stuff. I spent too much time with him, trust me. (laughs) So I'm I'm geared up to hear about what happened at practice. That was something I absolutely expected. I mean, I don't know what you thought about it, but with, with Dotson running with the twos, what, Thursday night, he looked like he didn't belong. I mean, he was right. like the, basically the best player on the field. Whatever little bump in his career this was where he got demoted or whatever, however you want to say it, or motivated, I don't think we're going to be talking about it anymore, <laughs> to be very honest. <laughs> you know, He might be their best lineman, to be very honest with you. I think he's a foundational player for the next you know, six, seven, eight years, um, and they want to make him the, the type of leader that Steeler linemen have been in the past and player. So I think they see a lot of um, potential in him already realizing a lot of it. And maybe you just need a small fire lit under him or a, you know, a straightening out, so to speak, whatever. I couldn't care less. <laughs> I'm glad he's back with the ones, and I don't think he'll ever leave. No, yeah, no question. I think this is mainly just Tomlin pushing buttons. Yeah, I think he and he's great at it. Yeah, exactly. He knows. Also, he knows if I push this guy's button, he's not going to pout. He's not going to, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to push through it. He's going to play harder. We saw that against well said, Philly, like yeah. you said. Uh, Pro Football Focus, I know this is early. There was only about six games this morning when I saw this Mm -hmm. stat. All the other NFL playing today, of course. But he was actually the highest-rated lineman so far in all the preseason games with a 94.5. Kevin Dotson was. Other Steelers in the top five as well. Interesting. Joe Haig was number three. Was he? And Dan Moore Jr. was number five. Those guys, whatever. But it's refreshing to see Dotson playing so well when he gets his first opportunity. And you're right. I think it was just a matter of time. You're going to operate under the assumption that as many healthy ones as possible are going to start in the Lions game. Right, so you might as right. well start ramping up with Dotson in practices now. Yeah, and you know, to take it a step further, it's a little overdue to get the one unit out there together in practice, get some continuity breeding with those guys. They've been sidelined early in the process. The Steelers had an extra week, so it's not as big a deal, but they also are really breaking in five new starters, yeah, three to five, depending yeah. on how you want to call Chooks. I mean, Dotson's not one of them, obviously. Um, but the continuity there is important. I, I like what I see from Green. I think Haig is an ideal six-type offensive tackle that could also bump into guard, has some experience doing a lot of things. 
I think Green should go past him sooner than later as the third guy. But we still haven't seen Zach Banner. So I think he's a little overdue to get on the field. Well, I'm glad you actually brought that up. Is there any you know threat to his job in your mind? Do you think Ooh. maybe if Joe Dan Moore, Joe Haig, like I just said, are playing really well, I know mm-hmm. they're playing against a bunch of twos and threes, but you still have to go and get the job done. They're doing a good enough job to maybe make him sweat a little bit. I, I, he hasn't really done anything to not deserve the job other than just he can't stay healthy. But, I mean, availability is a big deal, and especially when, like you said, you're trying to get that continuity broken in before you have to go up to Buffalo in week one. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, they're very high on him. They gave him money. He won the right tackle job one year ago. Uh, I think they're more comfortable with him than probably a lot of our listeners are. But, (laughs) I mean, after a while, you got to look at it and say, you know, you haven't exactly proven a ton either. These guys have been grinding every day, you know, green and hay, or not, or, uh, yeah, uh, Moore and Haig, as yeah. you mentioned, and are doing good things. But when I watch Moore and Haig, I don't think I'd be really comfortable with either one starting yet. I like Haig off the bench as your six-man type of guy, and I like Moore's future. But I do think if they're playing against Buffalo's ones, and you know, those guys would probably be the weakest link on the line. Yeah, no question about it. I think yeah. the highest ceiling is Zach Banner. I think we're all hopeful yeah. that Zach Banner... You said that hesitatingly, though, because that ceiling's not very high with Zach Banner, I'm well, sure. Well, I think Moore has a pretty good ceiling. I mean, I think he's a oh, pretty good, a good athlete. Point. You know Just, what I you mean? know, tapping into that as a rookie. It probably won't happen this won't, year. Especially when you're already tapping into Kendrick Green. Right. And you're right. centering your offense around Najee Harris. It's more rookie-centric yes. stuff the Steelers have done in a long time as far as their offense is And concerned. I'm sure they'd be uncomfortable with it. Throwing a third you know, run right, into that. Right. Fryermuth as well is going to get a lot of spin, too. So there's a lot of new faces on that offense. But, yeah, I think Banner's the comfortable choice, but... Good point about the ceiling with Moore. He yeah, he's, certainly he's projects to potentially be a, a long-term solution at that spot if Banner's only going to be here for the next couple of years or so. Could be. I mean, he, I like the way he moves. I think he's getting better and better every time I see him. Um, but to your original point, Thursday or Saturday is the Lions game. If you got Ben out there, which it sounds like that's sounds the way like it's, it's going to be, yeah. I mean, that's when you have to sort of treat it as close to a, a regular season game as possible. And it would be a small red flag if Banner's not out there for that, even just for the Ben series. I mean, I don't need him to play a half. Just go out there as long as Roethlisberger's out there and show that you're ready to go for week one. Totally sit him down for the last preseason game. I think that's what we want out of Banner. Well, speaking of Ben, he had a little bit of a rough go of it today at practice. It looks like he was picked off three times. Minka got him once in 11-on-11 pressure drill. Pierre got him, and then Arthur Mollette got him again. To be fair, he did some positive things as well. He threw a touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson, okay. I saw. And he also saved a high snap from J.C. Hassenauer, so he's learning from the mistakes happening in the wild card game. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good sign, at least. A couple positives for Ben. But going off the interceptions, I don't really care about Ben Roethlisberger. You know, those, no, those picks no. are whatever. But the guys who made the picks, not Minka, but Pierre and Mollette, They've been the names that you hear the most as far as that battle in the secondary, and Pierre especially just keeps making plays. Yeah. I think it's probably going to be Sutton on the outside, and you're going to see Mallette or Brooks jump in if they go nickel. Yes. But if they go four defensive backs, I think I've heard you throw this out there too, then that might be a case of putting Pierre outside and bumping right. Sutton on the inside in the two-slot corner spot. Let's start there, because the Steelers last year were near the top of the league with four corners on the field at the same time. Often Hilton and Sutton, right. you know, you know, because they're both good players. They're great slot corners. Last they're great year, slot yeah. corners, and I'm not sure people even realize this too. But it wasn't entirely Hilton's job in the nickel either. I mean, if it was third and nine, Sutton was probably the slot corner. Hilton's toughness and tackling and blitzing 
Well, he was more of a, not a specialty player, but he was a not out there. He's not as good a cover guy as Sutton. Right. Is, is frankly just the end of the story. So they were they were kind of not interchangeable. They each had roles last year. So if they still plan on playing a lot of four corner sets, and week one they play the Bills, who were tied basically with the Cardinals for first for most four receiver sets. So, so naturally, you'd assume, yeah, yeah. I mean, in week one, you're going to see this in action. I would be shocked in week one if Pierre and Hayden aren't the outside guys in those instances with Brooks, maybe Millette, but probably Sutton as interior players, you know, with four corners on the field. I still think, though, what they want deep down is just to leave Sutton at that right corner spot. Even if they go four. Well, no. I mean, okay. in four, I think he bumps in. But other than that. Other than that, I think they want to leave him yeah. in the Nelson spot, make him most comfortable. You know, instead of – I mean, some of these guys are great. Like, Mink is a great example. He's done a lot of things in his career, especially at Alabama. But when you leave a great player in one spot, they still get better at it. Yeah, you know, right. and there's a lot more comfortable. No Doing a lot of things is wonderful. Well, but... that's kind of what Minka wanted out of Miami for, right? Right, He right, just kind of right. wanted to kind of hone in on one position instead of being the Swiss Army knife kind yes. of guy. Yes. I mean, even guys like – Isaiah Simmons and Miles Jack's a good example in Jacksonville because the Steelers was traded for his tra- his counterpart. Right when they asked him to cover the slot and do all the play safety and all these things that the people thought he was capable of doing coming out of school, they struggled. But when you left him a linebacker, he got to be a really good player, and they made Schobert available. Anyway, uh, you know Sutton's done a lot of different good things here, and that's a very much a great trait. But I think that they believe when they gave him money, if we can leave him as an outside corner, that's best for the player. But is that your best 11? You know what I mean? Right. If Pierre keeps making plays and he's the better player than the slot guys, Millette and or Brooks, Brooks yeah. then you have a case of, okay, we might get better in two spots by moving Sutton, although that's not what we think is best for Sutton, but what's best for the team. I think that's what's going on now. We didn't see him against the Eagles, but I think they're pretty high on Brooks. And that's not a shot at Millette or any of those other that, guys. Yeah. He, you know, he's I mentioned the physicality that Hilton brought there. He's a former safety. Those slot corners, I mean, you take on pulling guards and fullbacks and, you know. you got to be able to bang a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nick Chubb comes right at right. you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you got to be – that's not for the weak, faint of heart. And I think having that safety background – really gives Brooks a little bit of the edge there. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think they're going to be able to go with what they're deep down wanting to do, and that's keeping Sutton on the outside. Just Mm -hmm. because Brooks is playing so well, you wish you would have seen him in the Philly game. Hopefully you see him get a lot of run in the Lions game, maybe a full half of playing time with Sutton as well. But if you're at practice, I think it's pretty clear Brooks, Brooks is the is one. the leader. He's yeah. the one in front of Mollett right now as yeah. far as those two are concerned. I, I think so, And which is nothing Mollett's done wrong. But the wrinkle is what you brought up is Pierre's the one making it interesting. That's the guy who's been balling out like crazy. Right. Another interception today. It feels like every practice report he gets his hand on, whether it's Rudolph, Ben, or Haskins, he's picking one of the quarterbacks off. Right. And you, you notice him in the preseason games, too. He looked good against Dallas, and you noticed him on the field against the Eagles. And he made some a splash. I mean, he... He made his name known last year, you know, coming from nowhere. I don't know where jumping his, in front of Justin Lane, yeah, who, by right. the way, is falling behind the eight ball for a sure. little bit. Yeah. And, you know, Pierre has size. I mean, at a minimum, he might be Hayden's replacement next year if they don't extend him. Who's to say? He'll probably be called on at some point. But he's the one making that nickel conversation interesting. And maybe they are more comfortable with four corners on the field now 
because Pierre's somebody they trust. Well, you brought up the Hayden thing, and the Steelers have to be taking a look at if Pierre's playing this well on the outside and and forcing himself on the field more and more as we work through 2021. I mean, what do you do with a guy like Joe Hayden? Because that's not exactly the kind of player you want to put that much money in right now for the Steelers. He's definitely on the back nine of his career and getting close to the 18th hole for sure. Right. Speed's already starting to go. You started to notice him lose a step a little bit last year. He played really well last year, but Mm -hmm. it's just noticeable that he's going in the regression stage of his career. Hopefully, Pierre presents a nice little internal option. And then, of course, with all the cap space they have, you can go out on the open market as well. Maybe maybe draft or, a corner in the first or second round next right, year. Right, I mean, maybe use that cap space for a quarterback. And then right. the first round picks a tall corner that you develop. But you feel more comfortable going that route and going into the draft without a Hayden and not extending him if a Pierre presents himself as maybe a viable option. Mm-hmm. If, you know, we get to the draft day and, oops, all the corners we wanted are gone, and now we pick someone in the fourth round, and we don't know if he's going to be ready yet or not. Absolutely. And Lane is still there, and you mentioned, you know, he seems like he's falling behind. Which... Did have the pick in the game against the Eagles. Yeah, and he caused a fumble the, right. the week before. And by all accounts, they love his special teams. I mean, him as a gunner stands out. So so no threat of him not making the team. I, I don't he's, think he's so. I team, think he's yeah. a core special teamer. And you got, I mean, he hasn't blown me away, and I'm not defending him. But he's one player, since there was no preseason last year, I haven't had many real snaps to evaluate the guy. I mean, he's not standing out, but how many snaps have we watched Justin Lane in pads in a game? That's not true. too many. I think the concern comes from what you kind of said earlier, though, where an undrafted guy jumps in in his sure. rookie year, and whenever Hayden's out against the Browns or they're playing backups, he's mm-hmm. the guy that gets the run and not just It's not Lane. a good look. No, it's not. No, it's not. 100%. Back to Hayden, though. I would say, Joe, we love you. You're – it's super value to us on the field, off the field. Fringe Hall of Honor kind of guy. Yeah, right, right, right. Right. You know, he came from Cleveland where times were awful, which, again, brings me back to Schobert. You know, I mean, happy to be here with a winning organization. But I think you have to say, Joe, let's talk about this after the year. Let's see how you hold up. Corners your age don't have a very good track record, you know. And if if we do decide to make a deal, it'll probably be a series of one-year deals. And that's all he should be able to hope for, to be honest with you. With any franchise. With any Even franchise. if he gets out onto the open market, that's probably two years maybe at the max from somebody. Right. But he's not going to get a three-, four-year kind of deal no, at this point I mean, in his career. History's not kind to 32-year-old no. And you also have to, if you're the Steelers, you'd think Joe Hayden would recognize this being in the league for so long. The business side of things is we'll get to this later in the show. T.J. Watt needs signed. Mm-hmm. And Mika Fitzpatrick's coming up real fast as well. Absolutely. I think not this year, but the next year, or the year after that, I believe they have to deal with Minka. They don't either, have to deal with him this year. Either way, he's coming up, and but you that's a guy you want to put money in more oh, than yeah. Joe Hayden, for sure. Without so, question. And you, again, you, like you say, you don't want to keep throwing franchise tags on all your great players. Sure. You don't want to get and, that kind of reputation. And even if you would you know, sign Hayden, to your earlier point, you better draft one, even if it's a third <laughs> right. or fourth-round pick. And what if that guy's great? Or You know what I mean? I mean, these are good problems to have. But real quick, one slight concern I have with the corner conversation, they're not real fast. You know what I mean? If you think about each and every one of their true corners, Lane's the only one I would say is a plus speed guy. Now, what about Nelson? When he was he a speedy guy last year? Would you say um, still not really though? Right? I, I mean, think he was a four or five guy. Not the combine times are super important, but, but his exit lost some speed. For sure, yeah, I mean none of their corners were burners, and we saw Sutton get run by, got toasted, got toasted. Yeah. And Thank with God great... Jalen Hurts wasn't as great on the throwing side. No, was, right. Yeah. I mean, that should have been a touchdown, of course. Um, obviously a huge pass rush it, it makes up for that, 
and I would rather have the pass rush, and so would they, obviously. They're built around that, and it should be amongst the best in the league. But in general, their corners are slower than fast compared to the corners in the league. And it's just something to take note. Hayden ain't getting any faster. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no you doubt. You know what I'm saying? We'll keep things on the defensive side of the ball when we come back. We'll talk about the linebackers. They got burned in coverage yesterday, but the Steelers went out yeah. in the middle of the game and addressed that hole on the defense. So we'll get into that. Matt Williamson and Tom Offerman coming at you for the Bud Light Steelers training camp report right here on ESPN Pittsburgh. This is the training camp report on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio presented by... Bud Light, America's favorite light lager. FedEx, where now meets next. LeCon, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By your neighborhood Ford store. Excella Health, Expert Care, here. And by Ireland Contracting, Pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit irelandcontracting.com. Welcome back into the Bud Light Steelers training camp report. Tom Opperman and Matt Williamson with you here for the next uh, about an hour and 30 minutes or so here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Matt, we talked a little bit about the secondary to end the last segment. I want to stick with the coverage theme, but I want to move up a little bit in the defense to the linebacking core because Mm -hmm. I think that's the unit that probably got exposed the most in the Philadelphia game. I know we mentioned Sutton got burned on one of uh, his plays in the game against the Eagles, but the ones that really stood out to me was Goddard just making Devin Bush look like toast on one of yeah. those plays. That's something you really don't want to see. You Goddard's really, a great player, but, but you want right, you yeah. want Bush to be able to go up against those oh, kind of yeah, great yeah. players. And as far as his first trial this of the 2021 season, he failed that one. But I, I, Bush isn't the one you worried about. Spillane's the one you worried about. He got beat in the Cowboys game and the run that he got, especially on the rub routes. He just can't fight through it, and he gets lost underneath and. It's over. Cole Beasley will eat him for lunch. Big like, one against Buffalo no players question, of that nature. No question, right. So Spillane obviously exposing himself as the weakest link. Kevin Colbert goes out and he says, sorry, Rob, you're probably not going to be starting for me come week one anymore. Great trade. A sixth round pick to Jacksonville. You bring in Joe Schobert, whose strength is coverage at the linebackers. Yeah, let's get to Schobert in a minute here. But yeah. with all respect to Spillane, I mean, he's made some plays, but he got thrust into a situation that was – Frankly, in my opinion, over his head from the start. I mean, I think he's a depth player, a special teamer. This is where he can shine now, right? That's what where he, he can is. Get set you know? up in now. And yeah. frankly, if he's not with the team in two years, we'll kind of forget who he is, and so be <laughs> right. it. And that's how the league works. I'm not being coarse here. Uh, you mentioned Bush. He was clunky. You know, I mean, his first game back from a knee, so I'm not going to look too much into first it. First NFL action, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. It's different from practice. Very much so. I, I thought he was clunky. Um, and we're not out of the woods that all of a sudden, I think, I think Steeler Nation looks at Bush and says, oh, he's the next Leonard Warner, Roquan, you know, <laughs> right. you know White. He's promising, but well, he's not Steelers out of the woods. Nation specifically, I think they think, well, there's Shazier's replacement right there. Sure. Boom. Right. And, and that's how the Steelers reacted by, you know, giving yep. a lot up, a lot up to get him. I mean, I think that gets overlooked too. And in a way, he better be. But we don't know that he's going to be a five-time Pro Bowler. You know, that's right. not just money in the bank yet. And that's part of this deal, too, is more Bush insurance. We saw what life was like when he was injured. And my hunch is since the tragic Shazier injury, Kevin's been probably 
racking his brain to find an answer here. You know, the Williamsons and Vince Williams and, you know, trading up for Bush and just isn't happy with the results. And here's the deal that we'll talk about Schobert as a player here soon, because I think that's very important. Of course, people want to know what they're getting. But here's the thing that's, that's haunted the Steelers since the Shazier injury was that following season, the year before they traded for Bush. Right. They led the league more or less in base personnel on defense, which for them is their base 3-4 that everyone's familiar with, and nickel, or, or dime, I apologize, six defensive line, defensive backs on the field. They were very, very high in those two percentages. There's only 100% plays. So in nickel, which is five defensive backs, in the middle of those two, they were very low. And remember, that was the Bostic-Burnett year, you know, bad. Rough. You know, yeah. And really what happened that year was they were either too heavy and slow or they were too little and not athletic enough, you know, and not and physical enough. So they they trade up to forget Bush and go back to playing a lot of nickel, you know, with Bush being in there a lot. Then last year, Bush goes down, and the same problem occurred. With Bush out of the lineup, they became very base you had to go or back to dime, dime yeah. you know, and or you're relying on the Marcus Allens of the world right. and guys like that, which isn't what you want, which goes back to our old conversation. Well, why'd they four corners on the field so much? Because they were four of their better players. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you were too light at times, you know, so. Bigger tight ends are going to eat that up. Bigger tight. I mean, the Gronks and Kittles of the world. Kelsey, which, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, just those type of guys where there's no answer. That's why you need every down linebackers. And I keep bringing up the Bills. The Bills led the league in nickel last year. Like, they never take five defensive backs off the field. doesn't matter what you do. It's Edmonds and it's yeah, Milano. I was Terrell's brother's really good in yeah. coverage. Yeah, him and Milano and are on the field yeah. all the time. You know, think of the Niners with Bowman and Willis. You know, like if you can get away with that and people don't make you substitute, you're so much harder to play against. And I think that's what the Steelers want to be, but you needed two, and at times they didn't even have one. No question. Spillane, again, just wasn't going to cut it. He's going to get picked up. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's wearing the – he's Waldo. Going to get to Schobert in a second here, but one other play I saw from Spillane that was just – it was so disappointing was – when the ones were out there, Highsmith got picked up on a double team. And credit to Miles Sanders is a good blitz pickup. Mm -hmm. He starts up the middle, and then he bounces to the outside as you see Spillane gets around the edge with the, the double team put on. I actually on think Highsmith. it was Jordan Howard. Oh, it was Jordan Howard. Because he blood. plastered him. He destroyed <laughs> him, <laughs> dude. Destroyed he destroyed him. You right. should not be getting destroyed by – I get that I mean, he could be a roadblock and maybe yeah. you not get to the quarterback because he just throws himself as a sacrificial lamb in front of you. Right. But you shouldn't be getting knocked on your ass by a running back like that. Right. And, and Howard's a big, strong, solid guy that's been around Still, the league. Still, you're the linebacker in that equation. You're a starter, too. Right. And he's really if not he's even a starter block anymore. You, make him right. feel it. Make him, make him think the next time that you're coming in to, to throw that block. Well, well your point – that's what coaches want. If they can devise a blitz where they have a, a free rusher alone on any back in Just the league, crush a back, yeah. That's what we want. That's how you win. The Steelers have done that so well over the LeBeau era and going back and going back. I mean, Vince Williams one on one on any back in the league is what you want. Bush, Schobert. I mean, if you can't mostly win that matchup, let alone not get embarrassed. That's what I mean. We got like, a problem here. We're you not know? even talking about covering the running back. We're talking about no. just getting run over when he doesn't even have the football. Yeah. So I'm talking about blitzing. You know, one-on-one -on -one and pass rush. That was the one, too, that just stood out to me, and I was just like, man, it just doesn't look like you cut it to be out here. Right. The majority of the snaps that this defense is going to play. You I mean, won't have to because of the Schober trade. Everyone knows about the backs-on-backer drill. Well, that's right. a really hard drill for the backs. 
<laughs> I mean, that you're at a disadvantage. So, and that's so, what you want to try to create right. on game day is a back-on-backer situation. And if you're getting killed with that when you're the backer, you got a problem. So Joe Schobert, he brings that to the table maybe as far as the mm-hmm. blitzes are concerned. He has racked up sacks in each of the past couple seasons, I think two and a half and then three the season before that in Cleveland. Guy who has a nose for the football as far as the interceptions are concerned. Yes. Uh, a couple fumble recoveries over the past couple years as well. Playmaker, honestly, is what I get for the sure. sense from. And honestly, I is it me or is it feel like people are kind of not making as big of a deal as they should about this move? I kind of feel like people are kind of just laissez-faire about it. And I'm sitting here thinking, I think they got a really underrated player that could explode on as far as the national scene is concerned now that he's in Pittsburgh. I, I tend to agree. He wasn't phenomenal last year, but... That was an awful, awful they were situation. For Lawrence, and yeah. they were attacking and nothing around him. And I mentioned it earlier. I mean, if you think about this, he, he played out his entire rookie contract with the, the Browns who drafted him, made big money, went to Jacksonville on a team that won the first game and then lost 15 in a row and got Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> He's really been basically with the worst team in the league his entire career. I mean, he didn't have the good years in Cleveland. I mean, he was with the miserable. He was like the best player on a, some right. terrible teams in Cleveland. Right. Um, let's talk about his pass rushers because we touched on yeah. that. He was an edge guy at Wisconsin. He was not a second-level player. He was a pass rusher, 3-4 outside linebacker type who moved to linebacker off the ball in the pros because he's kind of got short arms. for the. He doesn't look like DeMarcus Ware. You know, I mean, he's uh, he's not super twitchy as edge pass rushers go, you know, like a TJ or an Ingram. So he moved to second level and really, really bloomed there. Got better and better every year. But kind of like a Vince Williams, he's going to bring more pass rush as a blitzer than most of these inside linebackers because he has an array of pass rush removes. He just doesn't run real fast in a straight line and, you know, attack a hole. So I think as in that regard, he's going to be really important. He is a good coverage player. I'm, a sl- I'm slightly worried that a lot of people are just saying, oh, he's great in coverage. He's better in zone than man. You know, I okay. mean, I, I think that the as is the case with almost all linebackers, the Kamaras and McCaffrey's and Kelsey's are going to give him problems because he's not a great athlete, you know, but he's very, those guys will give everybody problems. No question. I mean, that's what offenses are trying to devise, but he's very zone aware. He has a real good feel for when to pass it off route combinations, developing in front of him, when to attack good ball skills. And I don't know if you caught this, but at the, at halftime, Missy Matthews was interviewing Coach Tomlin, and the defense didn't look great through the first half. And one thing he said, and it just was like a bullet going off to me, was our communication in the front seven needs to be better. And people don't think about, like, communication and linebackers talking and getting people aligned in the right way. And I don't know if Bush is good or bad at it, but I know he's young and hasn't been on the field much. And experience, maybe. Right. And I know Schobert is great at it. That's immediately what I thought, was he's going to get everybody aligned in the right place and – you know, hey, you're 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 a shade too much to the left. Things like that that are important. Communication. Mike Tomlin said he will be with the Steelers for practice tomorrow, so good, good. I expect him to be broken into the fold relatively quickly and probably get some run with the ones in the Lions game on Saturday. You know, it's funny when it broke, producing the Mark Madden show. Mark was being a little skeptical. He was viewing it a little glass half empty, as he tends to do from time to time. Sort of it a seems Madden to be trait. his style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But anyway, he was kind of speculating that they'd still start Spillane over Schobert. And I was sitting behind the glass, and I was just like, look, I kind of get where you're coming from because the Steelers love their guys. But 
there's just no way. This, this the talent discrepancy between these two is it's the track an ocean record. wide. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one is trusting. One's very trustable and starts for just about any team in exactly. the league. The other guy's your worst player on the defense when he's out there. And it would shock me if Schobert isn't the opening day starter. I don't know how they handle him over these next two games. But I mentioned, you know, his track record in the NFL, every year he's had a new coach, a new system. Like, you know, changing on the fly no, isn't no. new for this guy. And he changed positions, as I mentioned, from Wisconsin to the pros. So, by all accounts, he's a very cerebral player and quick learner. So, uh, I would imagine he's the starter. I think the Browns will be okay. I think JOK is a pretty good draft pick for them. Mm -hmm. Maybe the steal of the draft. But isn't it a little odd that they didn't try to work something long-term out with Schobert? I know the Jags gave him a good deal. I, say, I think the Jags money. just flat-out overpaid him. Yeah, you yeah, think so? Cause, like, Because uh, I didn't dislike him when he was on the open market. But the deal they gave him, I kind of shook my head at. Like, they're going to want out of that in a year or two, and they did. And how about yeah. that? Right, now, right, right. Now it's the Steelers' deal to deal with. I mean, that's why people – got to hesitate. I know the Steelers have all this cap space, but being in the market for that first wave of free agency is rarely good business unless it's a special player. He's not going to be any of these players, so you shouldn't get your hopes up about that if you're listening out there. But here's a nice little stat I saw last night when the trade became official. Per ESPN Stats and Info, Schobert is one of only 14 players – who have at least two interceptions, two sacks, and two forced fumbles in consecutive seasons dating to 1994 when they really started to go hardcore with keeping forced fumble data. Mm, okay. The list of those 14 players includes guys like Brian Dawkins, Ray Lewis, Charles Woodson, and Julius Peppers. He's not going to be any of those guys. Sure. He's not a future Hall of Famer like all four of those guys, but just kind of gives you the sense of the mold that he is and that kind of playmaking ability that he brings yeah. to the table. And if you're out there saying, well, was that three, four years? When was the consecutive seasons? It was 2019 and 2020 where he hmm, checked okay, those boxes okay. off. So and they're not massive fresh, numbers, yeah. but it does show he's a very well-rounded exactly. player. And I think he has ball skills. Um, taking the ball away is obviously a huge component. But just being reliable, I think, is going to be a, a massive thing he brings to the table. Another example of Kevin Colbert seeing a weakness, too, with this defense and going out and making sure that it doesn't affect yeah. them when the games start to count. You saw with the outside linebacker, that all of a sudden looks like a strength now. I mean, guys like yeah, Jameer yeah. Jones and Roche are starting to ball out more, and those guys probably won't even see the field at all if things go according to plan for the Steelers there. I 100% agree. Inside linebacker now all of a sudden, I don't want to call it a strength, but it certainly is less concerning than a couple of days ago. It was a weakness. The weakness, Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Interesting, though, they didn't go out and do much with the secondary. They tried to – we talked about that in the first segment a lot, but they're going internal with that. That kind of makes you think that Colbert is feeling pretty comfortable with the guys that he has in-house there because – Brooks and Pierre are the ones who make me think that they look at and say, we got guys here. That's what I mean because the I track record – I think Killebrew is very valuable, by the The track way. record shows Colbert's going to go out and get a guy. I mean, outside linebacker, inside right. linebacker, he's offensive line when DeCastro had to hang it up. Mm -hmm. Although, I don't think he's officially retired yet. No, but, but he's, you know, That's what's going to happen, again. yeah. Right, right. Goes out and gets Trey Turner. So, I think 100%, they look at Pierre and Lane and Colbert saying, I don't need to make a move here. You I know. know. I, I, I'm very comfortable in-house. The only spot that I just don't know about is Minka's backup. And that's, you know, small potatoes. Uh, Norwood got exposed, and he's a rookie in a seventh-round pick. And I would – I know some people talked about Malik Hooker. But if there were a true free safety bouncing around or gets cut that you can sign to league minimum, I would consider that. But, I mean, they need a tragedy to happen for him to see the field. No, no question. You know what I mean? Little surprise that Terrell Edmonds got run with the starters. Uh, him, Melvin Ingram, and Cam Sutton were the new additions as far as the guys who carried over from the Hall of Fame game. Mm. 
Edmonds plays like every snap for the Steelers in the ring. I think he's played probably other than Ben the most snaps of anybody on in a Has Pittsburgh Steelers uniform in the past couple of seasons. Has to be. They just don't seem to be that trustworthy of the guy, I guess, to have him going out there. I mean, we all know we're going to see everybody against the mm-hmm. Lions, but he had to get out there for a little bit of a, you know, appetizer before the main course of Saturday. So interesting. I hadn't thought of it. Yeah, he didn't get the the, the gold jacket and that just, treatment. He exactly, and that just comes yeah. off of the whole offseason storyline of they're not picking up the the option year. You know, yeah. Tomlin said that doesn't mean anything about your future plans with us, but still. I don't know. I just don't think the trust is fully there with Edmonds, but he's not a bust like a lot of Steelers pl- nation thinks he is. He's, no, I mean he's the fact a very that, solid NFL player, a very solid NFL player, and the fact that he plays every snap every year yeah, has value. immense value. Yeah. And his his ESPN highlight tape doesn't light you up because he doesn't take the ball. And away. I don't know if it's supposed to when you're playing next to, to a guy like Minka. Right, right, right. I do think they will probably re-sign him to an extension, but they would have given him eight million to be. Um, to pick up his option, and I just think that's too much for, especially whenever you invest in Minka too. Like you just can't have that kind of money invested in the safety position. He seems happy here. They seem happy with him. He's replaceable though. If all of a sudden he says, "I want a bazillion gazillion dollars," well, they will find someone similar. But you you're know. right though. I don't know if a team would even offer him a bazillion gazillion dollars because mm-hmm. he's kind of is under the radar here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. There's no flash to his game, so unless you're watching him every Sunday, you don't realize how solid he probably is. Yeah. Of course, it's GM's jobs to know that around the league and, and make sure they that understand his up. value. But right, they exactly. But they're special. not gonna. Edmonds isn't gonna be at the top of their wish list whenever he's his name is in the free agent docket if no. if he does get to that point. Probably so not. Maybe the Steelers, like you said, you put off that option here because you can get him on a steal of a contract when you sign him long term if you just kick the can down the road till the next offseason. Yeah, I think you get him for five ish right. instead of eight. You know save three million dollars here. It's yeah. Saving is gonna be hugely valuable for this team moving forward, even oh, as yeah. the cap explodes, because Ben leaves, we've mentioned Watt, Minka, other players are gonna need money tied up in them. Claypool, Deontay, who knows when they're going to Najee eventually. I know that's way down the road, but it might be Russell Wilson. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, they need to find a quarterback, too. No question. And, you know, I don't know how they're going to go about doing it, but it could be just a flat out money situation. They have gobs of cap space next year, but it goes quick without question. Um, Edmonds, I'll get back to him just for a minute. Uh, people that he does have value, I feel like I'm shortchanging him a little because they play a lot of man coverage. And he's the tight end guy, and he's done that pretty darn well over the last he year. He's bigger or two. for a safety. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, when Kelsey comes to town, it's his job, and right. that's a brutal. I mean, that's as bad a job as anybody. But I mean, he does a pretty good job all in all against tight ends and man coverage, which has value. And Wolf threw something out the other day. I've been doing the morning. You know, the, I've been in, I've been filling in for Tunch there on that show, and he thought, man, I'd like to see Edmonds more as a blitzer. I think he could be good in that role. He doesn't blitz a ton. He saved the Denver game last year with yeah, a very yeah, yeah, timely yeah. blitz You're late right. in the game. Yep. So I think that's something he could definitely bring some more value to the table with as well. It's a yeah. good point by Wolf. Wolf's always bringing up great points. He knows a thing or two. I mean, especially if, your line, if you trust your linebackers more in yeah. coverage, maybe you can you know, blitz your strong safety a little bit more. We're going to switch things over to the offensive side of the ball, though, and talk a little Najee Harris and that running game when we come back. It's Matt Williamson and Tom Opperman with you here on the Bud Light Steelers Training Camp Report on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. This is the Training Camp Report on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by Bud Light, America's favorite light lager. FedEx, where now meets next. 
LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By your neighborhood Ford store. Excella Health, Expert Care, here. And by Ireland Contracting, Pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit irelandcontracting.com. For the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia to our extensive selection of jerseys and terrible towels, visit one of the official Steelers Pro Shop stores located at Heinz Field, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets, or you can visit online at shop.steelers.com for all your Steelers merchandise needs directly from the team. Tom Opperman, Matt Williamson rolling along here on tonight's Steelers Bud Light training camp report here until 8 o'clock on ESPN Radio. We talk defense. Let's switch it over to the offensive side of the ball and specifically the running game for the Steelers. Najee Harris got the start again. Tomlin said he expects to start him in all four of the Steelers' preseason games. He only had two carries for 10 yards officially. Yardage wiped out, of course, on two holding penalties that were called against the Steelers when Najee was in the game. But I know two carries for 10 yards is nothing to write home about, but sure. he really certainly passes the eye test, I think, for me. I mean, this dude just looks like a thoroughbred, looks like a guy that you can give the ball 30 times a game. And I just don't think that there should be any you know, doubt that come week one Buffalo, he's going to be completely up to speed and ready to, to be a feature back in the NFL already. I 100% agree, and I know that those two holding calls are big, but you also got a chance to see him in the open field a little bit, too. Where, Even though the holding happened. Right. Yeah. You know, you right. got to see him look like a Clydesdale in the open yeah. field with those powerful strides and the, the, you know, the way that he operates when he is given space. And, you know, it's a preseason, and so let's not uh, look too much into the results. I'm happy not seeing him at all anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> dude. I said the same thing to Jacob on our one, show yeah. today. I said I, I know it's the dress rehearsal with the Lions this week, but that's fine. Whatever, man. Don't play him in the Panthers game. Like you've checked every box you could possibly need to. I don't oh, think man. Tomlin's going to either. I, I, he says a lot of things that he doesn't really necessarily follow through on, and I'm hopeful that that's going to be one of them. I, I agree. But I agree with you. Even in the Lions game, I'd be cool with him not playing. Right. Like, I mean, because Ben's out there, fine. Maybe it, for a series with him, just to get that exchange stay, going. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that's fine. I wouldn't have played him in the Hall of Fame game, to be very honest. I would have played him in week two and three, sat him next, you know, in the last one. But he looks great, and I don't know that our listeners understand because they haven't showed yet, which they're not going to, what a receiver he can be. You know, they haven't detached him from the formation and run fades and receiver You've only routes. seen him catch a little, you know, Dump Mason needs yeah. a little help, needs a security blanket. But even in that one, he took three, a three-yard dump off for nine, ten yards in the Hall of Fame game. So, again, right. more time seeing him in that open field, like you said. Exactly. But you're right. They can split him out wide and do a lot more creative stuff that I'm sure they're doing in camp and practice that they're just not going to show the league until right. it counts. Maybe we'll see a little bit with Ben. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me one way or another. But maybe just one just a little taste right. of it yeah yeah but i do think get used to seeing it a lot much like the lev bell usage in the regular season um another thing that I, maybe his greatest attribute for where the steelers are right now is he took a handoff one of the two that that actually went down the stat sheet probably should have been stopped for a loss or a yard or two loss got four out of it you know like this line's I'm sure some of us are optimistic about it, but it's not going to be good. It's not going to be a plus offensive no, no line. Question. If he can turn bad plays into non-disaster plays, that in itself has a lot of value because the other backs couldn't lately. 
no question. I think you've seen that in both games. Even if you mentioned the one where he turns a loss into four yards, even if it's just getting back to the line of scrimmage, that can be huge for just not demoralizing a drive. Or right, you know, second and fifteen is a lot different than second and ten. So, oh man, Najee Harris's ability to make a poor offensive line average to poor offensive line look a little bit better i think is something that's going to shine through as the season works on he's mm-hmm. he's going to polish some turds as far as exactly. the, their play is concerned uh you mentioned the backups and the backs before him that haven't been able to do that kind of an interesting position battle though is starting to crop up with that backup running back spot i think benny snell was the front runner heading into the season the guy just hasn't been healthy at all throughout camp. You haven't no. seen him in either preseason game. I think he he definitely took a step backwards when he wasn't healthy to play against the Eagles. So now all of a sudden you've got Anthony McFarlane, who looks good, did cough the ball up a couple of times in the Eagles game. It doesn't come back to bite him as the Steelers recovered, and I think he was down barely on one of them. But, but still, you know Tomlin's a, taking notes on that. Yeah, it's still saying, a red flag, though. Yeah, that's, right. that's not good. Kalen Bellage has really shown up. I know mm-hmm. he didn't play against the Eagles, but it looked good against the Cowboys, and he's got the most pedigree out of anybody in that room to throw in that number two spot. My take on it, well, first of all, I know some people are kind of excited about the second-half performance against the Eagles of the running game in the backs, so Jalen Samuel in particular. I didn't even bring up Jalen Samuels. because I, mean, I don't think Jalen Samuels is necessarily an NFL player. That was the outlier against yes. the Eagles, not the norm. I watched Jalen. I'm not killing the guy, but I watched him in that second half thinking, man, what would Harris, of course— but really, even just Bellage and Snell would have done that situation. Maybe even McFarlane, honestly. Exactly. I mean, they were big. I mean, NFL Matt, Tony holes. Brooks James right. had nine carries for 51 and yards. Guerrero. Right. You know, they like, picked off the street to yeah. or whatever. <laughs> right. I mean, Jalen Samuels, to me, missed holes, left yardage on the field. Wow, okay. You know what I mean? Despite having great You look great at the box score, you think, wow, great performance. Oh, yeah, but he's back, in the, back in the hunt. But right, I think even Snell, who I don't really like that much, gets... 20 more yards on the same opportunities. You know what I mean? Just hits the right holes and drags people. And, you know, um, I don't know what to think of Snell because I say this all the time about the guy. We haven't seen him yet. We haven't seen him. But I think his greatest attribute in this league is he has that workman horse, workhorse mentality, can handle a big workload, but he's not good enough for me to give him a big workload. You know what I mean? And yeah. if you're giving him a big workload, the defense says thank you. You know, that that's wonderful. I think Bellage is the two and McFarland's the specialty guy. Yeah, and then Snell stays on the roster as a four you carry four backs or is... I think yes, unless somebody gets cut that you like. Another back somewhere else. Somebody else becomes available somewhere else. Yeah. And you say, Well, okay, Benny, you're not the best special teamer in the world. We can live without you on teams. This guy, I know Carlos Hyde's not getting cut, but somebody like that that's okay, been yeah, around the league. Mold, yeah. You know what I mean? A guy that's, who would have been a three or four somewhere else. Right. Might be better than your three or four that you have right now. I think that could be a someone outside the organization spot. But it's between those two in your mind for the guys that get cut, either Snell or Samuels. It's, yeah, I don't Mc, know how you keep saying think Samuels. McFarland is safe, though? I think I, so. I think Bellage is 100% safe at this point. Even if he's not the second guy, I think he's still just going to make the roster. Yes. And I think McFarland, despite you know some ball security stuff, he just looks like he could bring so much to the table as far as, like you said, that utility guy, that specialty mm-hmm. kind of player. Where he, even if Belage is your quote unquote number two, you might just see McFarland in a game more than Belage just because of what he can bring to the table more. And again, like you said, Agreed. kick returner. Yeah, he's a returner. He's different than the rest, which works to his favor. I mean, he's this this the speed guy, the change of pace. Um, there's reports that you see him 
on the offense with Harris on you know both of them on the field together and in he's practices, yeah. and in a way I think McFarland's competing with uh, Ray Ray McLeod more than he is the other back interesting as the jet sweep guy call him whatever you want you know the jack of all trades weapon you know whatever I think he's fighting with Ray Ray who's also in trouble in my opinion um, more we than haven't he heard is much Bellage. from him at all in he's, fact other guys are stepping up like. Re- Guys, I don't think are going to make it. Like Rico yeah. Bussy and Sexton, they're making more plays than, than Ray him. Ray is in the preseason. I, I think they've kind of washed their hands of him. I mean, the problem with Ray Ray is he doesn't block a soul when he's out there. He really doesn't run wide receiver routes. You know, I mean, all the the gadgety stuff's fine, but he's not Tyreek Hill. He, <laughs> you know he was I mean? useful when they were really hurting for kick return and punt yes. return games. But now with the addition of McFarland and you know what Deontay can do in the punt return game, they just they don't need him. I mean, he was great whenever you needed to figure out what the hell you were going to upgrade from Switzer with. Right, right. But now people have kind of passed him in that, which is his best tool. That's his best and, trait. And what are you going to do with him? You already have a crowded wide receiver room as it is. I mean, mm-hmm. You're not going to need him to get out there and play actual receiving minutes. Your fourth guy's disgruntled enough to allegedly request a trade, and he's far behind him. So, yeah, I exactly. agree. I think Ray Ray could be in trouble. And I think, honestly, if I was the one making the decision, I think McFarland brings a little bit more to the table than a Ray Ray McLeod does. Me too. I mean, he's thicker, yeah. he's stronger, yeah. he can break a tackle. I mean, if he's your jet sweep guy, he can do more than just that. We talked about Harris. Let's say Harris and McFarland are on the field together and they detach Harris. Well, Ben's not going to run. That, but that could make a defensive coordinator rip his hair out. Exactly. exactly. All of those Think of those di- options. Yes. That doesn't mean that the run is off the table just because Harris is outside the numbers. But it also still hand it to McFarland. Right. You know? and it also doesn't mean that Harris, who you said is a great receiver that they haven't shown, can't just fly route right to the end zone and blow by everybody for a mm-hmm. touchdown. So. Yeah, right. So I like all that. Uh, the one thing I wanted to mention about Belage, I'm not comparing him to Harris. Harris is much better. He's more talented. He's a first-round pick. But I think Belage is similar in style to Harris. You know, they're both taller, well built. Well, well as far as the number two job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If Harris were out, I think you'd be better off running the same offense with Belage than you would Snell or McFarlane. People don't know this about Belage yet either, but he's a very natural receiver. I mean, he's big, he's fast, he's a natural receiver. It's taken him a while, and he's starting to show the finer points of playing the position, like. I didn't like him coming out of school. I thought he was a bad player okay. in Miami. But last year, the Chargers, he started to turn the corner. And this year, he looks like he's it just maybe he's a late bloomer in terms of, you know, a, a running back. I'm know? sure the Steelers will hope that's the case. They certainly, yeah. I mean, Signed I, him cheap I think you're going to see Najee play 95% of the snaps Ideally. traditionally at right, that position. Right. But if he keeps hurtling over people like he is, you, you don't know how his health's <laughs> going to hold up. What, what's up with that, too? I mean, you got to pull that guy aside, right, and just be like, look, we love that you're bringing this to the table. In regular season, go nuts. Jump over as many people as you want. Right. But you got to kind of be a professional and recognize, go out of bounds, maybe just take a slide and go down easily in the preseason. And I'm sure he's such a competitor that he doesn't want anyone to think he's soft. Well, that's or, why I think Tomlin just like, needs to not play him, because well, even right. if he talks to him, I'm sure Najee would say, yeah, coach, whatever. But in the moment, a safe He's He's bearing down on him. He's chumping over him. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have to save him from himself in some ways, too. And I guess that's his personality. And if you watch him, even going back to, like, high school, I I think when we look back at Harris's career 10, 12 years from now, whatever, we'll say, remember him hurdling guys left and right and and one-handed catches over his head? Like, those are things he just does routinely. yeah. Yeah. And coaching it out of him will be hard. And I bet... The way they do it is every other preseason of his career, he never touches the football. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, the best way to go about it. Right. Yeah, because like you said, you don't 
want to coach that out of his actual game because yes. that's so unique and it's such a weapon. But yeah, when they don't count, man, just try not to jump over we two guys mean. at the same time and get slammed into the ground like you're getting <laughs> right. power bombed in a WWE match, <laughs> right, right? right? Like you got to have a little bit of more smarts about that. So I mean, guys like Adrian Peterson and Todd Gurley played no preseason snaps Never. their whole career. I'm hoping. Saturday is Harris's last preseason game of his career. Ever. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, see enough. Great. Proved our point here. We showed everyone what he can do. Enough. Well, the most anticipated preseason game, I think, on everybody's mind starts in just about two minutes as the Jags kick off against the Browns. Trevor Lawrence's nice. debut. So when we come back to start the top of the second hour, we'll talk about Trevor Lawrence. We'll talk about the rookies, quarterbacks who okay. debuted in preseason games today. He's Matt Williamson. I'm Tom Opperman. You're listening to the Bud Light Steelers training camp report right here on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR.